Hello and so welcome to episode four of the I Am Anxiety podcast. Uh, once again, thank you for joining and for listening. So it's 16th of December. Uh, it's Wednesday night here in Sydney, Australia. It's the lead up to Christmas. Um, although Christmas here is certainly very different to Christmas back home in Scotland. Um, certainly what I was used to growing up uh, quite a, a, a contradiction certainly when we have uh, Christmas decorations in the windows here in Sydney and they're, they're sort of melting and tinsel is uh, not really sparkling in the snow but more sparkling in the sunshine. Uh, but nonetheless it's a, it's a lovely time of year but it's also often a very anxious time of year for many many people. And it's funny that it is, you know, it's supposed to be this time of joy and giving and happiness, but often for lots of people, it's quite the opposite. So it's uh, a nice time to tune in and to listen to, to something like this, to a podcast that's about anxiety or more specifically anxiety recovery. If you're struggling at this time, uh, that many people are, obviously, you know, at the moment we have the added problem of dealing with a pandemic and being in lockdown or being isolated as well as having to deal with Christmas. So uh, depending on uh, how you operate and the way you think, not being able to do Christmas in the same way might actually be quite a relief or for some people it might actually um, be even more anxiety provoking or certainly being in lockdown and having been in isolation for quite some time uh, certainly presents um, some very unique challenges all by itself. So, as I said, it's a nice time to, to be listening to some recovery-related information. So today's podcast is going to be about brain fog. And my intention now for the next few is to focus in, really start to drill down on a few specific symptoms. I think it's the best way to start implementing the the information that we spoke about, that I spoke about last week about recovery. Um, and it's really the, the best way, breaking it down at, at a specific individual symptom level, it's really the best way in my view to, to apply the recovery techniques. But first of all, I just want to do a little bit of a recap um, just to remind us uh, what that initial step to recovery is that we are talking about and, and the, the step that we want to apply to brain fog. So we talked a lot about last week about um, that the, the, you know, recovery in my view and the way that I've written about it in the book is a two-step process, but really it's the first step that I'm going to spend um, the next few weeks talking about by focusing in on the symptoms. And it's the step around uh, taking the fear out of the symptoms. So taking the fear out of our anxiety symptoms so that we can reduce the quantity of those I'm in danger messages that amygdala was receiving. We've talked a lot about the fact that it's our fear of our symptoms that's generally led to the development of an anxiety illness for many of us. It's the fear of those symptoms that keeps us stuck. You know, often the situation that may have led us to have anxiety in the first place, um, often those situations, the, the severity declines or they change over time and those situations may, may no longer be present in our lives. But what can happen is because of the changes that 
um, occur in the brain, as we've talked about, through that prolonged exposure to cortisol and the other stress hormones, um, what we then end up with and what we're left with is this fear of the symptoms or set themselves. And it's the fear that, that really keeps us stuck in that cycle. So that's why it's very important that first step around taking the fear out of those symptoms because until we can remove some of the fear from them, we will continue to stay trapped on that hamster wheel whereby uh, the fear of the symptom produces more of the anxiety response um, causes that amygdala to trigger the release of those stress hormones through the adrenal glands that cause all the symptoms that we're afraid of, which ultimately then, you know, closes that loop back up to the amygdala that tells us that there's danger, that there's something to be fearful of, which then just repeats the process. So really understanding that, um, that why removing the fear from the symptoms is helpful, why it breaks that cycle really is a key part to being able to start applying that first step of recovery to our individual symptoms and really starting to get on that path to recovery. And so I also mentioned briefly last week that there's a very important reason from my perspective why it's a good idea to apply that first step to our individual symptoms at a symptom level as opposed to applying it to our whole condition all at once. And the reason for that is, and this I, I felt um, very strongly when I was struggling myself with anxiety, the reason for that is, is if someone had said to me, you just need to accept it all, David, take the fear out of all of this, these symptoms and just accept it all. I would have, I would have, you know, used some very choice words and, and probably told them to get stuff because the idea of doing that just would seem so insurmountable, so entirely impossible life was so unbearable and these symptoms combined collectively did not feel like something I could bring any level of acceptance to and therefore any would have had um, zero ability to start removing the fear from them. It was only when I started to look at them individually and think about the type of fear that I had accumulated for each of those symptoms and what it might look like in my own life to start accepting some of them and start to remove a little bit of that fear from each symptom. It was only when I did it at a symptom level that it, I really sort of started to realize, actually, I can do this. I can start to bring a level of acceptance to some of these. Um, I can start to remove the fear from some of them. And in the worst days, when you're so caught in the grips of everything that, that's you know going on with your anxiety, when you haven't slept, you have brain fog, you're dizzy, you can't see clearly, you can't think clearly, your hands are shaking. On days like those, sometimes it's enough just to accept one symptom. That in itself is enough to make us feel like we're really getting somewhere. That's the reason why I'll break it down at a symptom level because it's, uh, it's much easier to get on board with doing that at an individual symptom level than doing it and applying it to our anxiety as a whole. Okay, so brain fog. Everybody probably knows what brain fog is, whether you experience anxiety or not. If you've had a hard night out on the booze, especially at Christmas time, um, you probably wake up the next day feeling like you've got a little bit of brain fog. It's kind of that feeling of everything's not quite clear, it's a bit foggy, it's a bit hazy, 
you know, you're not quite as sharp as you might ordinarily be. The brain doesn't feel like it's computing, like it's working quite the way it should. It's a bit sluggish, it's a bit slow. You know, it can sometimes feel almost like there's cotton wool around your head. There's so many different ways to describe it. And brain fog that results from anxiety, you know, can feel, you know, and does feel much worse than, than when, um, you know, we have a hangover or we've had a, just a bad night's sleep because, you know, someone was having a party outside, you know, if, if you've been dealing with anxiety for some time and brain fog has been present for quite some time, you know, it, it's a really um, debilitating symptom that can really start to strip your confidence away so badly because you just don't really feel like you can trust yourself. I used to, um, and I did this more so when I was starting to try and accept brain fog as a symptom because trying to bring some lightheartedness to it helped me, but I used to describe it in my own mind as, as being um, hit over the head with a frying pan. I don't know if you remember, depends how old you are, but some of those old fashioned cartoons like Tom and Jerry or the Roadrunner were one of the characters. Um, it was usually poor, um, the poor cat or um, uh, the poor coyote that would have something fall on their head, you know, and uh, they'd get hit over the head with something and they'd have those little birds sort of twittering, twittering around their head. I used to think it's, been, it's like I've been hit over the head with a frying pan, you know, I'm just a bit dazed, a bit confused, but it's permanent. I sort of have this feeling permanently and I just can't quite think clearly. I can't ever wake up properly. I can't quite just, everything's just sluggish and it's horrible. Um, and yeah, it just really, really starts to impact your life in so many ways and so severely. You know, even even um, when you're with friends trying to participate in conversations, you're just a bit slow. You know, if you're someone that's quite quick, quite sharp, quite witty, quite quick to contribute to a conversation, it can really make that difficult. You know, you're just sometimes struggling to keep up. Or in work, if you're trying to problem solve, um, you're in a meeting and people are, you know, um, whiteboarding something or in a workshop, it, again, it can just be really difficult to, to sort of keep up and form those thoughts as quickly as you once did. That was certainly my experience. You know, it affected me quite profoundly in a work context. Um, and also socially, you know, I, I, I do enjoy being quite social as many, you know, lots of people do. And yeah, you just start to, it, it can end up making you want to avoid some social situations just because you don't really feel like you can participate in the way that you used to. And the other thing that we do is obviously we don't want anybody to know that we're not okay, which is another reason why we stay trapped, but we'll get to that in another episode when we talk about, you know, social anxiety and, and, and how we hide our symptoms. But um, the brain fog can almost make you start wanting to retreat, you know, from, from interactions that you've enjoyed. So needless to say, it's a serious symptom and it causes a lot of problems. Let's very quickly just recap from a physiological perspective, what's going on in the brain that causes brain fog. And then we will look um, uh, from a psychological perspective, how we then apply the removal of the fear from those symptoms. So quickly, because we've gone over this a few, over this a few times, from a physiological perspective, we know that the fear center in the brain, the fight or flight response gets bigger, the more anxious we are. 
we get better at being anxious. We know that the hippocampus, that part of the brain that's involved with learning and memory, and also that helps us recover from a stressful situation, gets smaller. It can't do its job as well. And we also know that the prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain that really is responsible for making us human, um, the humans that we are today, can't do its job properly because basically the amygdala hijacks the brain. And just as a reminder, that prefrontal cortex basically looks after our ability to concentrate, our ability to make rational and thoughtful decisions, our ability to make judgments about different situations, and also the way that we interact with others. So it's really clear, isn't it? You know, when, when we just remind ourselves of the physiological impact that cortisol, the stress hormone has in our brain, it's really easy to immediately go, oh, you know, I totally get it. Of course I have brain fog. How could I not have brain fog? My hippocampus isn't doing its job properly, so I can't learn as quickly as I normally do, and my memory doesn't work as well as it normally does. And my prefrontal cortex, that part that, that allows me to make rational and thoughtful decisions and to respond in, in, a, in a rational way and to use my brain in a way that works well for me, that doesn't, uh, it's not able to do that. So of course we have brain fog. How could we feel um, anything other than a bit foggy when we can't learn properly, we can't recall things the way that we normally do, and we're not, we're not really thinking straight, we can't make good decisions. So physiolo physiologically, it's really, brain fog's a really easy symptom to understand at a physiological perspective. And don't ever forget that it's really important to always keep in the back of your mind what's happening for you at a physiological level. It just really helps take a bit of the fear, even before we start trying to accept the symptom or remove the fear from it. Just knowing why it's there can really just help. It's like that first step to acceptance. You know, you're no longer just having to deal with my mind isn't working well. I feel like I've been hit over the head with a frying pan. I can't cope. I can't work. I'm stuffed, we can immediately change that way of thinking into, I know what's going on for me. I know my head is foggy and muddled because of my anxiety. I know that my hippocampus isn't working well. And I know that my prefrontal cortex isn't working well. This is a purely chemical thing. And physiologically, I'm really clear and I really understand why I have brain fog. That in itself is a really powerful place to be. Okay, so we know why we have it. How do we start putting that first step to recovery into practice? How do we start bringing some acceptance to that brain fog so that we can start removing some of the fear? So there's no magic words here. There's no magic spell. There's, there's nothing mysterious about how we do this. A lot of it is about self-talk and continuing to remind ourselves what's going on for us and why it's happening so that we can remove the unknown um, from the symptom and, and really just start to, to, to help and enable ourselves to be a little bit okay with it. For me, it helped to bring a little bit of humor to the symptom. You know, I would start sort of almost talking to my brain fog. Um, I would say things to my in my head, obviously, not out loud, you can if you want to. Like, you know, come on, foggy head, let's go for a walk, right? Come on, if I woke up in the morning and I'd had a shit sleep and my head just wasn't working, you know, I'd look at myself in the mirror and say, right, I feel like shit, 
but I know why. I know why my head feels like this way. So come on you, come on foggy head. We're gonna go to work and we're gonna be fine. It's important to also remind yourself that brain fog never has and never will hurt you. You know, we do build up a really irrational fear of the symptoms and continuing to remind yourself as well as, you know, reminding yourself physiologically why you have that symptom, continuing to remind yourself that it never, never has, never can and never will actually cause you any harm is also really, really powerful uh, as a tool to remove the fear and to start bringing some acceptance. It's just a foggy head, you know, it feels terrible, it can impact your life, but that's all it is. Keep reminding yourself, keep bringing a bit of perspective um, to the symptom. It's good to start the day, perhaps in the shower or however you start your day, whatever your morning ritual is, to have a bit of a mantra about that symptom, about how you're going to remove the fear from that symptom um, and make that your, your mantra to start the day. You know, you can remind yourself really quickly and really clearly and easily, okay, I know why I have it. I know physio physiologically why it's there. I know it can't hurt me. I know it won't. I know it never has. I don't feel good, but I'm going to take it with me. I'm going to get on with my day and I'm going to allow brain fog just to be there. I'm going to allow it just to be there. I'm not going to try and chase it away. I'm not going to get mad at it. I'm not going to get mad at myself for having brain fog. It's just a symptom of my illness. It's a symptom of my anxiety. I know why I have it. I have an illness. This illness has symptoms. Brain fog is one of them. I have it today. It's pretty bad, but that's okay. I can still get on with my day. I can allow it to be there. I can do all the things that I normally do. I might not be as sharp. I might not be as quick. You know what? Nobody ever really notices. And if they do, so what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if someone thinks, oh, David's not as sharp today as he was yesterday or he was last week. People are far too interested in their own lives and what's going on for them to notice that, you know, you feel a little bit behind the eight ball because you're struggling with anxiety related brain fog. People just don't know. You know, one of the things that is always very surprising when you are in the depths of mental illness, how, how little people can tell, you know, we do a very good job of hiding it and don't try and hide it because that in itself you know, fuels the fire of anxiety. That's, an, that's exhausting, trying to pretend you're okay. You don't have to pretend to be okay. The fact is you are okay. The brain fog isn't gonna hurt you. So you, you don't need to worry about how you look or how you feel. You can allow it to be there. As unpleasant as it feels and as unpleasant as it seems, you can and you should allow yourself to go through the day and each and every other day for as long as it persists with brain fog. Stop trying to get rid of it. Stop trying to um, fight with it. Stop trying to wrestle with it. Stop trying to figure it out. There's nothing to figure out. You now know why you have it. You understand the physiology. We, we now understand it in enough depth that we will ever need to understand why we have anxiety related brain fog. We know why the symptom is there. We can allow it to be there bring some acceptance to it and just start removing the fear. And you start with that, that's your first symptom. If it's a symptom that's causing problems for you and it often does for anxiety sufferers, start with that one. Forget about the rest for now. You know, this week, allow yourself to be okay with brain fog and you'll start to notice a subtle difference. It'll still be there, 
but the resistance to it will decrease a little and therefore the effect it has on your your daily life will 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 seem smaller and so your fear of it will diminish a little and that is the first step on that road to recovery if you then amplify that up and think about as we will over the, the coming weeks start applying that to all of our different symptoms eventually we bring a level of acceptance to them all and we you know that's when we really start to break the back of the back of anxiety and really start moving forward will there be bad days when you can't absolutely you know that i will do an episode on um setbacks or um you know uh, bumps in the recovery recovery road however you want to refer to them there will be many you know we've been unwell for a long time our brains have been been um receiving an onslaught of these stress hormones for a long time so of course it's only normal and to be expected you can't suddenly just be like oh i'm fine i don't need to worry about any of this anymore it's not as simple as that it's a step-by-step process and that's why we do it symptom by symptom and we don't beat ourselves up if on one day brain fog is just unacceptable and we spend the whole day wrestling with it that's fine you just get right back on um the next day and start applying the techniques that you've learned again and gradually it's two steps forward one step back and we start to break that cycle so that's it for today. Hopefully um, this week, then you can start applying some of that information and, and um, start bringing a, a level of acceptance to that first symptom, to that brain fog. And um, yeah, I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you again next week. Cheers for now. Cheers.